You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are talking coronavirus. It's a subject that's obviously front and center on everybody's mind these days. And I want to do a few things with this episode. I know there's a lot of people out there who are scared or nervous, and I know a lot of times the media gets blamed for that, and sometimes rightfully so. And I want to, as a member of the media myself and as a host of this podcast, it's my goal out there to help present facts and, and also just to help encourage people. So I have kind of three goals with this episode today, and it's to help help people stay healthy, stay safe, and stay positive. I, I don't want to, you know, hide the facts of what they are, but also I just want to help encourage people today and, and again, those staying healthy, staying uh, safe, and staying positive during this uh, pandemic. So to help me do that, I'd like to welcome in my guest today, and that is Pam Altonen from the School of Nursing up at Purdue. Pam, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Adam? I'm great. Thank you so much for your time uh, joining the podcast today and kind of helping us uh, walk through this. Uh, Pam, tell us a little bit about your background in uh, the school nursing and your ex- uh, experience as a health director as well. Actually, I was a uh, junior in my nursing program in college when I was exposed to public health, and I almost immediately fell in love with public health and feel uh, strongly about it today as I, I did uh, many years ago. So I was one of those kind of rare nurses who jumped uh, immediately into public health practice. So I was a a public health nurse in Minnesota, Oklahoma, and Illinois uh, before I landed at uh, Purdue University and joined the the faculty, where I was a faculty member and an administrator for 30-some years at Purdue, so uh, well-steeped in uh, Purdue Purdue tradition. Uh, Before I retired, I actually taught an interdisciplinary graduate class in Homeland Security and Preparedness, um, which fits very well into the the topic of of today. I also have done things like serve on our local board of health for Uh almost that entire time I've been at uh, at Purdue, Uh, and I'm just now finishing my uh, immediate past president year uh, for the American Public Health Association. So last year I actually had the opportunity to travel to many states talking to uh, public health people in each of those areas. So quite an expert in this field, and I'm sure been studying a lot and reading a lot and learning a lot from this uh, coronavirus pandemic. And as you know, in the field you are in, I'm assuming you know a lot of people on the front lines who are, are battling this, um, especially nurses and, and doctors. Have you had any interaction with them and how are they doing? Can you speak for them at all? I can't. I actually have a son who is a physician in uh, New York City. Uh, he's in interventional radiology. So, um, uh, his practice has been uh, dramatically uh, modified as they only do emergency kind of care. And he and his uh, fiance, who are both in the same field, uh, actually volunteered to um, do whatever they can in their healthcare system. So sort of had to go back and brush up on some of their, their skill set that they haven't been uh, using for a while. Uh, but through Eric, um, I've had exposure to a number of nurses in, in New York City. And, and you know they're they're fighting the good good fight. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of uh, endurance, a lot of perseverance. Uh, certainly concerns about uh, having uh, things like proper PPE, personal protective mm-hmm. equipment, um, 
uh, ventilators, the kinds of things you're hearing about on the news. Um, you might have just heard Jerome Adams, uh, who's the Surgeon General of the United States, who actually was our state health commissioner before he uh, uh, was uh, selected to fill that role. Uh, he's now talking about Indianapolis and, and Detroit and sort of this, the cities as we're moving into the Midwest as being new focal points for mm. For coronavirus, so it's important for us to think about how do we how do we manage this? How do we stay, as you said, positive um, uh, through the situation, but also alert to what's going on? Right, and we're recording this episode on, on Monday, March thirtieth. So, for whoever is listening to this at a later date, I know these numbers will change. But I look at the numbers that were released today for the state, and we got uh, more than seventeen hundred cases, positive cases, and thirty-five deaths as of again as of this recording here in Indiana, and then. In the United States, uh, over 2,400 deaths with um, over 140,000 cases. When you hear those numbers, Pam, what goes through your mind? Uh, They're they're very sobering numbers Mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that, uh, you know, we've talked for years about excess uh, influenza deaths uh, each year. Uh, But influenza deaths are um, about... Uh, less than 1%, uh, way less than 1% typically, uh, do not survive having uh, influenza. This is a, a virus that um, has uh, a higher rate both of uh, being infectious and also uh, having a fatal outcome. So we, we do want to take it seriously, but mm-hmm. we also want to keep in mind, and I think we lose track of this, um, is that uh, 80% of the population who do become infected with um the, the coronavirus will recover without any kind of medical intervention. About 5% of the population we think gets coronavirus and doesn't even show any symptoms. And it's, it's somewhat um, uh, debatable. We're doing more research in terms of how likely are people who are asymptomatic or without symptoms, uh, how likely they are spreading uh, the coronavirus. Uh, the remaining 15% uh, maybe a population that needs uh, medical intervention in terms of some kind of hospital mm-hmm. care. And among that 15%, only uh, 1% to 2% end up in, in ICU. Okay. So it's sort of easy to lose sight of the fact that many of us are going to get this um, and maybe already have gotten it and have recovered um, uh, with a, a minimal kind of symptoms. Now, feeling lousy for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, having uh, having a cough, having a fever, uh, those those things likely are are happening. But but again, for a yeah. small percentage of the population, it would progress into more severe respiratory. And I'm glad you. Uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the recovery numbers too, because I know a lot of people will call into the station and say we, we talk about the deaths and the ca- positive cases, but what about those people who have recovered? And, and that's important, I think, to put out there, too, that, you know, there is hope and there is uh, there is good, you know, good news out of there, too, that a lot of people are recovering. Like you said, some people may have it and not even ever know. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the ICU, too, and you talked about New York. I, you know, before I came in today um, to record this episode, my wife was listening to a ICU doctor out of New York City, I believe. And he was talking about, you know, I want to next thing I want to talk about was ways to combat this. He was saying the number one thing to do is, or the number one cause of spreading it is touching your face. And I wanted to see if you would agree and with that and concur. And and that is that the biggest 
detriment of this is people who touch something, but they, then they touch their faces, and that's the biggest cause of the spread. It certainly is a factor. I don't know that I would determine it's the biggest factor because um, it helps to sort of understand that the coronavirus is a respiratory virus that uh, when people cough or sneeze, they put particles in the air, and if we're close at hand, then we can um, breathe those in and become infected. It's less clear how important getting the virus on surfaces is and I think what he's referring to is, for example, if I if I cough and sneeze and I um, uh, turn the door handle to go in someplace and somebody's right behind me and then uh, uses that door handle and then they put their their hand to their face before they do hand washing, then it's theori- theoretically possible uh, to acquire the coronavirus. So the, the thing people want to keep in their mind is thinking about, where are their hands, um, and then how do you kind of break this habit? If you if you observe people, we all put our hands to our face <laughs> on a regular basis. So we suggest in, in uh, many healthcare systems that what you need to be doing is just vigilant hand washing. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a the time that you absolutely must step up your hand washing uh, tech, technique. And just to, to give you kind of a... Uh, a uh, more lighthearted story about this, Adam, is that uh, I was thinking about retirement and what I was going to do next. And one of the things I uh, thought about doing was uh, dressing in a bunny suit and hanging out in the restrooms here on campus at Purdue uh, because I have always been astounded at how many people either don't wash their hands or they wash their hands for about three seconds and they yeah. think they've done a, a thorough job that that college students and adults lose track of what our parents taught us at a young <laughs> age about about hand washing. Yeah. So and now uh, campus is uh, pretty quiet, so it wouldn't be a productive thing to, to <laughs> sure. do. But uh, I always talk about hand washing as yeah. a critical thing for all of public health. Yeah, regardless of a pandemic or not, it's, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> number one thing you should do, right? It's true. Absolutely true. <laughs> and and by the way, uh, research has shown that when you're doing hand washing, that the places we miss most often are at the tops of our thumbs, mm. between our fingers and our fingertips. So you can go online. There are some really cute um, videos available on, on hand washing, but the, the trick is to soap and water uh, at least 20 seconds and make sure you're trying to cover all surfaces of your hand and do it, do it frequently. Yeah. Some of the, you know, you know, people don't want to count or are trying to think of ways to get creative. I know, you know, people say sing the happy birthday song twice. I've yeah, heard, you know, say, yeah. say the Lord's prayer. Um, and then, you know, for more locally or, or close to home for a lot of our listeners, I've heard if you sing Hail Purdue, that, that covers the time span that you, uh, you need to wash your hands. So just some tips out there for people to try some different things and, and make sure they're washing them long enough. We talked about the washing the hands and other things. Let's talk about social distancing and staying home, you know, here locally. And it seems like, I guess, across the country, we have the stay-at-home order. Talk about the importance of that. The, the, that physical, it's the physical distance. And you, you might notice that we're actually talking a little bit more instead of social distancing, physical distancing. Um, it's, it is important because you think when you cough or sneeze that as that aerosol gets in the air, it'll drop to the ground. And, and what you're trying to think about doing is um, letting it drop to the ground instead of uh, hit your face. So that's the, the rationale between the six to nine 
nine feet yeah. in terms of, uh, of distancing. What we don't want people to do, though, is to stay either emotionally or intellectually distance during this this period sure. of time it's just this shared physical space that we need to be be uh, careful careful of so uh you know you can be outside um we do this in our my neighborhood we'll go outside and we kind of yell to our, our neighbors across <laughs> the the street maintaining that that distance um you know trying to to go out and and you know if you have a dog play with the dog in the yard uh you don't have to be confined to your house yeah. Uh, or your apartment, if you have some place you can go outside that enables you to be um, at a safe distance from other people. So it really depends on your living conditions, um, how effectively you can do that. Some people have asked about taking their dogs to the dog park. Well, you know, if it's spread out and, and not um, uh, heavily used, that's possible. But you, again, want to think about that same principle of if you open the gate to get into the dog park, who just opened that gate? And uh, maybe that's a situation where I want to carry some hand sanitizer with me, uh, hand sanitizer that has at least 60% alcohol. Oh. Now, the challenge with that is that uh, we have a, a short supply of Purell or whatever the brand is of hand sanitizer you might have used, but uh, you might notice that people in the community are stepping up and manufacturing hand sanitizer. Here at Purdue, the Purdue Pharmacy now is making hand sanitizer right. and um, making it available to to uh, us in the in the Purdue community. So people can look around and see about about getting some of that. But again, you know, if you're if you're going to touch those areas and you don't have an immediate source, uh, just do not put your hands to your your face. Right. That's where that that critical. Uh, don't move your hands to your face. Yeah, for sure. Talked about um, these ways to stay healthy, and you mentioned Purdue. You know, making the hand sanitizer up there. I don't know uh, how much you can speak to, but what talk about some of the research and other things that are going on up at Purdue. The uh, people that up there that are doing to help with this crisis. Uh, uh, there's a uh, fellow by the name of Richard Kuhn who's in um, biology. He's the fellow who mapped up the the Zika virus. Uh, I know mm-hmm. his team is uh, very active in terms of looking at the virus and its characteristics. Um, there's another group in the in pharmacy that that's looking at um, antivirals and uh, drugs for treatment of the, the coronavirus. Uh, another group I know is working on test, test kits and testing, uh, because testing is going to be a real important uh, part of our uh, kind of recovery and stepping out of this um, period of, of physical uh, distancing. So there are, there are uh, a number of things going, going on, and a number of experts that have been on the, on the media uh, Tim Morris, a faculty member in uh, Cranert, um, uh, he's an economist, and he's been looking at issues related to uh, public health and and economics. So there, there is a lot of work uh, going on around campus, and probably much more that I have not not heard about. Sure, it's just amazing all the the work that the good people up there are doing, and encourage them to to keep up the good fight, and thank them as well for uh, all the work they are doing up there to to help battle this. Um, talking about staying healthy and staying safe. Some things to keep, you know, fortunately, at least, you know, here in Indianapolis, we've had some nice weather uh, the last few days, so it's been nice to be able to, to get out and go for walks, like you mentioned, uh, with my family and do some things to keep busy. What about are some things 
that people can do, especially if they're stuck inside and staying home, as the order says, um, to keep busy and, and keep their minds, you know, active and and staying positive and encouraged um, while they're at while they have to stay home. Let me let me give you an example. I have a uh, almost my mom, mom's going to be ninety five in May, and she lives in a retirement community um, in in Illinois, and I almost immediately started to think about. They are now delivering meals to her um, uh, apartment rather than having a, a, um, a dining room that, that individuals go to. So they're, they're, they're practicing this uh, physical distancing, but it also means that she's not having contact with other people. Yeah. And uh, you worry. I've, I've even noticed uh, people my age, younger people, you know, we've already been under um, uh, physical distancing for uh, a couple of weeks now, and yeah. people are feeling antsy and and uh, not sure of themselves. So, my recommendation to my family was uh, to my nieces and nephews: uh, call your grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, email her, send her interesting articles to read, uh, drop her a card, be deliberate about uh, staying in touch with yeah. uh, other other people, and we should be doing that with our our family as well as our maybe our our colleagues and our our network of, of friends. Um, there are ways to uh, get online and share uh, activities. Yeah. Uh, I'm an advisor to Mortarboard on campus, and the students last week were talking about uh, a product called Jackbox that, that they could uh, get linked to their uh, other friends and play games on the Internet or to um, watch a movie together and comment on the movie as they're, they're watching it. So, so if you have access to young people who have a lot of technology um, skills, uh, you know, find out what they're doing and see what you can, can do. If you can't do that, uh, think about other things like um, working puzzles, yeah. uh, reading books, uh, sharing those with your, your uh, apartment uh, uh, mates or your, your, uh, your neighbors. You can leave things like that on the, you know, the doorstep and not have physical contact with other other people that share those those uh, things, uh, you know. If you're at home, uh, somebody's home baking a lot because there's no flour on our uh, shelves uh, in our grocery stores. So if you're baking something, uh, you know, sh- share it. Uh, that's not yeah. going to be an issue in terms of um, uh, passing on the the, the coronavirus. Uh, I thought it was this is a good time for me to you know clean out closets, do things that I've talked about doing uh, that I just haven't, haven't uh, done. But I think it's staying connected with people. We're, we're, we're a social society, yeah. so we need to figure out uh, good ways to, to do that. Um, you can have a virtual virtual meeting, mm-hmm. um, and so everything doesn't have to come to to a, a halt during this, this period. We just need to keep in mind what are these principles that we're trying to uh, – to live by. Right. And I, yeah, it, we've been doing that a lot with our family, you know, doing some FaceTimes or Zoom calls or Google Meets or whatever it is that you use just to help, you know, be able to still see each other and whatnot. But I'm glad you mentioned the elderly people too, um, you know, because they might not know how to use that technology. So yeah, a phone call, an email, something that, you know, can yeah. you know, to yeah. check the check on them, you know. And, you know, we, our neighbor who's uh, still lives in her house uh, just turned 97 today. So we, we took her over uh, some pictures and knocked on her door and, and shouted from outside, you know, happy birthday and just, you know, wanted to, en- to encourage her. Um, so anyway, but yeah. I, 
<laughs> yeah, I thought somebody had done a, a, a child's birthday party by having um, all the kids drive by with signs hanging outside their windows of their their automobiles to wish the, yeah. the child a, ha- a happy birthday. <laughs> I think kids are another population we need to be thinking about in terms of children like routine. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've sent for school-age children, they've come home. Uh, we're trying to uh, educate them in, in that environment. But but parents need to try to set up a schedule for children, establish a routine. Uh, I was laughing. Uh, uh, one parent who is in, she actually lives in uh, Houston, so they're in a much warmer climate than we are here in uh, Indiana. And for recess time, uh, she makes the kids uh, go to their uh, swimming pool. They have, you know, one of those little swimming pools outside, mm-hmm. and uh, they have to do so many laps in the swimming pool for for recess um, uh, amongst their um, attention to their their mm-hmm. schoolwork. So, so keep keep track of children. Yeah. There are more and more uh, mental health counselors who are um, making themselves available uh, on online or by mm-hmm. telephone. Um, if you need that. Um, we need to be uh, reaching out and getting that information to to uh, people. I think we also need to be straight with uh, children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give them the give them the basic facts. They know something's uh, going on. But again, just like for us, you don't want to be so overwhelmed with this that right. you, you uh, can't uh, can't function. Yeah, definitely hard, harder for the little ones to understand why some some of the things we've done have changed. So yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, let's talk about uh, some ways to stay positive. Again, I know this is a hard time and, you know, being told we can't do certain things and you see the numbers and they can be depressing or, like you said, sobering. Um, talk about how we can stay positive in a time like this. I think staying positive means uh, staying staying in touch, mm-hmm. uh, trying to uh, make sure that you uh, are realistic about what's going on. Staying positive may mean uh, not listening to the news 24-7. You know, we have that opportunity now to do that. And if you hear the same thing over and over and over again, I think that that uh, begins to weigh, weigh down. So, you know, you, uh, Adam had this, this podcast. It's It's got a limited amount of time. People can come in, uh, get the information they need, and then uh, do other things with their day. So I think bringing balance to your day is important. Um, you know, try to be as healthy as possible in terms of the the, the food that you're you're uh, preparing. Uh, I think grocery shopping is becoming a, a challenge. Um, I don't know what's uh, specifically going on in Indianapolis, but a lot of the grocery stores are offering um, home delivery or, mm-hmm. or pickup. But I think many of them are being overwhelmed yeah. and are, are working pretty hard to get their systems. Uh, up and going. So uh, we had a neighbor who uh, offered to do our grocery shopping because, uh, you know, I'm uh, at the chronological uh, age that would put me in an at-risk group. Feel free to take advantage of those those things. Um, You know, sometimes we don't like imposing on other people, but, but again, this is the time to sort of let that uh, fall by the wayside because people like to be, like to be helpful. Uh, during this period of time, so so reach out and and do that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, I think, yeah. Go so ahead. you mentioned the grocery stores, and I just yeah, I want to encourage people too, to to not panic and to to be thoughtful of other people when they're you know grabbing things off the shelves as well, and you know only getting what they need and being you know, again thoughtful of other people so that there's something there for them. 
Yeah, I've thought about this in, in terms of, because I've been at, I uh, was at the grocery store, I don't know, a week or so ago, and the things that I thought about when I went into the grocery store is a lot of them had those sanitary wipes right at the very beginning, so you can wipe off the handle of mm-hmm. the grocery cart. I do that. I I, I use that because uh, then I feel more comfortable uh, hanging onto my cart. Yeah. This is not the time to go through every uh, orange in the stack looking for the uh, perfect orange for your your uh, grocery cart, um, because that means that you put your hands all over uh, things that other people might theoretically come behind you and, and purchase. I think having a list, kind of sticking to it, thinking about some of the basics, what what do you need to have in your house um, in order to um, get by for uh, maybe a two-week two week period? Um, uh, we had an uh, interesting discussion with uh, one of my colleagues in mechanical engineering who has children in different parts of the country, and he was actually mailing them toilet paper because they couldn't get toilet paper. And it, it makes you wonder and think about how people are looking at what they need to stockpile and what they, yeah. they don't. You don't need a year's supply of toilet paper. Um, you know, uh, the, the supply chains seem to be doing uh, quite well in terms of uh, the grocery, in terms of the things that you absolutely need to uh, be able to get by. Yeah. So so that's been a, that panic buying thing has been uh, interesting. And I'm, I'm quite sure we're going to learn a lot more about that as we, yeah. we do kind of a retrospective of uh, what's happened during this, uh, this uh, pandemic. Sure. Uh, and Pam, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to I know I think it was yesterday's task force briefing uh, held at the White House. They mentioned possible, possibly seeing this, I think, peak in the next couple of weeks. Um, do, you, do you see that as well, agree? And, and do you think if that's true, after a few weeks, we can possibly start to see these numbers go down? Or what's your thought from what you're seeing? Well, of course, a lot of this depends on just how good we are about holding the line in terms of social distancing mm-hmm. or physically distancing. So that's a that's a piece that you need to think about. And that just what what, what we're trying to do there is flatten the curve. Uh, we may not necessarily change the numbers dramatically, but if we can flatten the curve, we're not overwhelming our healthcare system yeah. so that we can keep up with what's going on. The other thing is if we can delay, you know, there's there's also discussion about this being a two peak, you know, that we'll have it now uh, maybe it uh, subsides over the summer and then a peak again in the fall. In the fall, we're likely to have much better tools in terms of uh, uh, antiviral drugs, other things that we can do to actually uh, treat people who, who uh, become infected. So this social distancing or physical distancing to flatten the curve is really important. I I think it depends on where you live, frankly, Adam. Okay. Um, you know, the Places that you know, New York City uh, may be soon hitting their peak. I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm sort of thinking about April to June okay. as a, a time frame. Um, you know, we're we're almost April. What a couple of days from now, mm. um, that that we may be hanging into this a, a longer than we initially uh, thought, um, just because of where we actually live. Uh, what we don't have that we we need to, and there there's work developing a test for this is. It would be really nice to know in a community uh, how many people were uh, infected and how many people have recovered from that infection because we think there probably is at least a short-term immunity if you get this this virus that it, that you might have immunity for for a year or maybe longer. Um, those are people then who could be um, 
put more in the forefront of our uh, response efforts in terms of, you know, replacing workers who maybe uh, have not been infected. Okay. So that's, that's an important thing. I think until we really get some of that done, we're not going to exactly know when we want to want to um, loosen the grip on yeah. uh, uh, physical distancing. Sure. Understand. So I'd be I think about being uh, where where we're at for uh, a while longer. I I do think that uh, raises the issue of how do we go about supporting our local businesses if we if we can um, you know has somebody put together a list of places you can call to order order food if if that's your your preference to try to keep uh, some of our our uh, businesses um, uh, at work. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Hey, Pam, uh, anything else from your, you know, your experience in the public health arena that you want to share with our listeners? I just want to say that um, uh, when you practice uh, social or physical distancing, you're protecting yourself, you're protecting others, mm-hmm. and you're protecting that workforce that doesn't have the option of not uh, uh, being out, uh, carrying out mm-hmm. their, their jobs. So this is doing things for ourselves, but it's also doing uh, things for uh, each each other. I'd also uh, just mention that, um, you know, we are going to get through this. Uh, it's tough, but, but I know we can uh, do it. It's, this is not an existential threat to mm-hmm. a society, or maybe the more current term is a zombie uh, apocalypse. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll be out on the other, other side of this. Yes, there will be changes. Yes, we will lose. Um, uh, people that we love and care about, um, but uh, uh, we will do this. There's an interesting quote. I don't know if anybody else has, has used this from Winston Churchill that I thought was really uh, 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 very applicable to uh, today. He, he, in his first broadcast um, uh, in uh, England when they entered World War II, said, it would be foolish to disguise the gravity of the hour. It would be still more foolish to lose heart and courage. Mm. So, uh you know, heart and courage. Um, again, uh, we can we can collectively um, get through this uh, yes. unusual time. We are a strong nation with a lot of resolve. Yes, let's stay positive. Let's let's encourage one another. Let's do do our part in this as well to help you know this move along more quicker as well. I do want to take the time to to thank all those in the medical field and those on the front lines that have been working their tails off tirelessly for the last several weeks to months on this. So thank you to any of those who are listening Uh, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for everything you're doing and, you know, for our government leaders and those who have to make hard decisions and, and sometimes maybe unpopular decisions, you know, my, my prayers to them and just encouragement for them as well to just, you know, yeah. Adam, can I add, add people like the people who are in the grocery store and yeah. stocking shelves and sure. keeping our supply chains uh, going? Those are all uh, really important people as as well. Yes, for sure. Yeah, thank you to all those. I know it's a, a tough time for a lot of people. And so just uh, stay hopeful, stay positive, stay encouraged. Uh, thank you for everybody who's out there who is still having to work and, and be out there. And, you know, like you said, the restaurant owners and these small businesses and that, that need our help as well. Thank you to all those. Pam, thank you so much for your time today and just kind of helping uh, us learn some new things and, and help uh, remind us of a lot of things as well and uh, to keep us uh, looking forward as well. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. All right. Let's, let's enjoyed, uh, enjoyed uh, talking with you, Adam. Uh, thank you so much. I enjoyed the conversation as well. Let's, listeners, let's stay positive. Let's boiler up and let's, uh, let's, let's band together in this time.
Yeah, I was worried a little bit, Adam. You might ask me to sing Hail Purdue uh, <laughs> at the end of this, and uh, I can only do that in a crowd because I, I have no uh, musical talent. <laughs> same here, same here. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Pam, so much. You're welcome. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod, and you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.